No, wrong. This is a great plan. <laughs> that watched a kid who had started a baseball game with two strikeouts, including one on a dubious called third strike that left him dry heaving and crying between innings, trying to find his glove and his hat through watery eyes before running back out onto the field. A podcast that watched that same kid come up a couple of innings later and smash a game-winning double, watched as that kid was hugged and jumped on by his teammates in the dugout, watched as a team that was pretty certainly going to lose only a few minutes before, transformed into winners overcome with raucous jubilation. And a podcast that looked over across the diamond at another team, heads down, three of them openly sobbing, crestfallen and broken and dejected and miserable. The agony of having endured a long, unstoppable slide down a tall mountain. The ground slipping under their feet with every next uncertain step back up. A belief in themselves first shaken and then shattered and then only cruelly remembered as some sort of taunt. A podcast that doesn't believe much, but believes one thing, at least. That baseball is life. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah. Here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? This lag is killing me. This lag is killing her. Tonight is Monday. It's like a full second. April 17th, 2023. Whose lag is that? The one that we're experiencing right now. I'm not experiencing it. You're not? Abe, talk. Talk. No, I'm not experiencing any lag whatsoever. No, I, oh. Abe sounds fine. You and I sound terrible. I'm not having that problem. It must be on your end, Lord. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> is. Your end being about seven feet over my left shoulder. My end being over here, plugged into the broadband uh, rather than using the apparently currently shaky Wi-Fi. As I said, Monday, April 17th, that makes it my brother Andrew's 30th birthday. Look Aww. at that. Happy birthday, Andrew. Happy birthday, Andrew. Ten years behind me uh, in terms of age in all places except for the hairline where he has <laughs> long since lapped me. When did that lapping happen, by the way? He started losing his hair. He's quite young. Yeah, it's it a long time ago. But, you know, I'm sure he's doing fine with it. I'm yeah. sure he's come to terms with it. I'm sure it doesn't bother him at all anymore. someone who's supposed to marry him. Yeah. Hey, but you got anything fun this weekend? We we had a lot of Little League baseball, which I'm sure we can discuss here briefly. What yeah, no, uh, no, no Little League for me. Uh, I was out and about. Uh, it was a nice day on Saturday, so there was some sort of festival by my uh, apartment and... Uh, Great time I've had by by all. I did want to what, quickly. S- what sort of festival? You it said was some the sort of spring wine and music festival. It's like there's a park like eight stones throw away from me, um, and you know people wanted to go, so I was like, "Hey, I'm here. Let's do it." And so we did. The one thing that bothered me this weekend, though, had uh, to do with uh, the shorts uh, that I purchased. You know, I'm always against buying stuff like sight unseen. 
because of this problem, so which you is bought like some clothes on the internet. Did you? Yes, I was. You know, I'm doing this. Uh, started to run again for this little uh, Peachtree Road race in a couple of months right. uh, here in Atlanta, and I was like, oh, I need some running shorts. You know, with the the little zipper so I can put my phone in instead of the. I used to have this goofy strap thing, and I don't want to do that anymore. They got pants for that. So I'm going right. to buy shorts with that. So I, uh, to interrupt you here, uh, when I was running the 10-miler, a few training for the 10-miler uh, a year and a half ago or whatever, yeah. I also got one of those flip belt things. It's like a just a stretchy. Yeah, just enough well, to put your, you know, your your phone and something right, that else. Right, that was fine. But uh, what I ended up going with ultimately was a pair of compression shorts like underwear type, like uh, yes. from Under Armour, yeah. that have a compression pocket. Right. Where you can, Women's shorts, you like can, eyewear. Right, but it goes underneath. And yeah, it, you put it, more clothes on. It holds, like, all the, it holds all the yunk in place. The, yes. The, your personal yunk, right. and then also your accoutrement yunk, so like your cell phone and your, and your key to the, the, the apartment or the house or whatever, maybe if you need your, your ID or whatever when you're running around out there. Right. Uh, so it's got the pocket. For the accoutrement junk, and then the otherwise, it, it right. just you know it tightens everything up, keeps all the junk in place. That's the way to go when running around out there. Is the right. the first layer is what matters most. Right. So yeah, I was I was trying to go something towards that. I don't have the compression variety, just regular running shorts. But this could just be just me. But like I feel the shorts, running shorts, are getting shorter every year. Like yeah. it's too far. No, like, they probably are. They're just very high. It's just like, I'm like, this is like too much thigh I'm imposing on these four people. Are you chafing? Like, they make no, body glide no, for that. No, no chafing. It's just like, it's just too much skin uh, just right. out there running you around. I don't know. You can put other shorts on top, like yes. Modest Bob. Yeah, so two things that I was uh, that I discovered in my search for good athletic running shorts and also just like walking around pants that aren't jeans but yeah. like need to serve some sort because i don't want to wear sweatpants i've right. never been a big uh just wearing sweatpants out in the world no, kind of guy won't do it he always wears jeans and at the baseball game on saturday they were nearly falling first of down. all how dare you they were <laughs> it was a mystery of physics that his pants were still up all right, so the problem with those jeans and the uh, cuz I was wearing They're these hideous I was the wearing these slick like the like a an almost athletic short material underpant on on that day yeah. and the combination of the jeans that are probably an inch or two too big uh, for my current body size and the slick material of the undergarment heavy jeans too well, Heavy. Right. They're are heavy. these the kind they're of jeans that are doing construction? Yeah, they're dickies. So right. they're like they're extra they, heavy anyway. Have they lost their integrity? Like, uh, or are they still? He has functioning? a belt. The mystery, because someone asked, why doesn't he have a belt? I said, it's funny you ask. He does have. I a was belt. wearing the belt, and in fact, the belt doesn't do its job because Bob wears his pants. Right, like, okay, a butt has the widest part. This is not great part. podcast material. He wears it right? on the, the, the widest part of the butt. 
So any downward force is going to just take it. I have a strange situation in my trunk in general, which is that my hips are way too high relative to all of the other parts. Right. And so if I were to wear my pants on my hips, I would legitimately look like Chris Christie walking around out there. And like, therefore, where Chris Christie's got his pants yoked all the way up to butt. just yeah. under his considerable tits, right. like where it's you know it's like all the way over the belly. Like that would be my only other option if I were to quote unquote wear my pants where they belong they'd be fucking halfway up my torso and it just looks ridiculous so i have to get i mean really what i should do ultimately i'm a classic body shape for suspenders because the belt if you're not going to cinch it around the hips otherwise it's just like sort of strapped around the ass there right. trying to hang on for dear life and and yeah i'm, I'm not gonna wear suspenders out there oh, on that'd the baseball be great. Field. bob in overalls <laughs> little league be probably great. wouldn't be the first or the last no Dixie certainly not. little league anyway uh as i was much more interesting discussion about my shopping habits uh when I, uh, doing some online research for things something that i stumbled across was a uh, everybody complaining about how short running shorts are now. Yeah. And I I sought out a pair of Under Armour running shorts that are specifically designed to be long. And so that was my – that's how I solved that problem. Then I was looking for a pant that I could wear out on the baseball field that wasn't jeans. It's was like an athletic pant that wasn't uh, sweatpants. And the, the pair that I first wanted to buy, I was reading through the reviews, and it everybody kept – like half of the reviews were like, it's not – flattering for the junk and it makes your junk look weird and pointy at everybody i was like that's what (laughs) you should go to lululemon and buy grown-up pants why why are are all of these men talking about how their their junk points out in a funny fashion when wearing specifically these pants i think i'll stay away from these pants rather than experiment with these pants on the baseball field by the Uh, way i ended up going with a different feedback i mean usually i don't Sometimes people just complain for no reason, but that's uh, some good feedback, internet review commenter. Seriously, this is why I read the reviews of everything, because sometimes there's something, like, really crucial. Like, I don't want to get these new pants and find out that, like, I'm showing all the Little League kids my weird wiener with them. Like Instead, your pants just fall right off. My pants, them, at no point was I in danger of showing anybody anything on Saturday. Uh, there, there was a lot of danger. Despite it was also raining, they got wet. Yeah, and it, oh God. it was just a look. I've got photographic evidence of the fact that yes, so do though, I. Though they are hanging down, the, my shirt was still tucked into them because the, the uniform shirt that I was wearing that day sort of needs a tuck in order to not look like a complete asshole. So it was tucked in. It was all together still in one piece. I was I was aggressively raking it was also, the ground yeah. because we got so it we got started rain. raining. The little kids, the little minor league kids, they kept playing through the rain. They were having a blast. Right. The men over at the upper majors of little league needed to take a break and assess the field conditions. Yes. On the uh, on the other field, it was coach pitch. It's just a, a asshole dad down there throwing balls. You don't have to worry about anybody's safety in that case. When we're expecting kids to go up and take the mound and actually throw the ball, you can't have them up there slipping around. Like, right. It's just not good. It was so cute to see these dudes standing around in a circle talking <laughs> real serious about the weather and the field conditions. Anyway. Everyone was very serious. It was a very fun baseball weekend. As usual, weekend. one of the best parts of the baseball game was when it started raining. How, well, how long and was the this? Uh, real how... baseball 
they, you know, the dudes come out and they very seriously cover the field serious. Yeah. In this one, the dudes stood out there and chit-chatted. <laughs> it rained for a while. We were uh, we were about 30 minutes delayed. Uh, we, we took a break of 30 minutes. I was watching the radar. You know, all the all the guys in the dugout gathered around the phone and, and checked the radar. And I was like, just give it to 320. The sun will come back out. We'll rake like crazy. And like 20 minutes after that, the field will be almost as good as new. And that prediction was basically right. It was totally fine. Uh, the opposing team who had traveled for this game and therefore, like, and they had to drive like 45 minutes or to an hour or something. So they didn't want to just give up on a game that right. they were at that point currently winning five to one. The coach walks over to our dugout and he's like, so you guys got any of that, uh, that quick dry stuff? And what? in my head, I was like, I was like, you mean this stuff that's like $75 for a 50 pound bag? Then you go through like five of them just around the mound and home plate. Yeah, man, we got that in the back. I'll go get $400 worth of quick dry for this fucking little league game. Is that game. the team that you have to play tomorrow? It's not the same team. It's okay. from the same league, though. Like, no, man, that's we, we do not have a bunch of quick dry uh, turf drying agents to spread around for this fucking game. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Yeah, just ask Do you guys your... have that? Yeah. I'm sure they got like a sponsor for it. Just to briefly recap the game, we were down five to one. Good guys were losing five to one. And then we ended up winning the game 15 to five is the long story short. Uh, we scored it was all on one pitcher too. 14 it was really runs. It, it was actually on two pitchers. So the, their starting pitcher was as dominant a 12 year old baseball player as I have yet seen playing baseball at this level. Right. He had multiple pitches like he, he had a fastball and an off speed pitch, both of which he was able to locate. And so he struck out. I want to say he struck out 11 out of the 13 boys that he retired 11 of them were on the strikeout i think it was the lefties that he had trouble with yeah possibly he's killing us we got an early run on some bullshit and then after that he just completely shut us down and they scored a few runs it wasn't it wasn't too bad a game but right. anyway they're up five to one he has to come out with one out in the fifth inning because he hit 85 pitches and at this level you're 12 years old you're not permitted to throw more than 85 pitches and we're scheduled to play a six inning game. It's like, well, wow, we're, we might actually have a chance here if, if their next pitcher isn't as good as this guy. Yeah. And the next kid comes in and immediately strikes out our next kid. It's like, oh, God damn. Okay. This is the same shit. <laughs> so now there's two outs in the fifth inning, and then we do not make another out. We just score 14 straight runs, and that's the end of the game. If you go up by 10, 10 runs in the fourth inning or later, so if you're the home team in the fourth inning and you go up by 10 runs, that's the end of the game. Now, uh, quick question. Um, the So there were three pitchers in all, one really good one, one who showed promise uh, and then faltered, and then one who just sucked? Or, you know, well, what's it's an, not as good as the first sucks. one? No one sucks. The, problem, yeah. the problem at this level is that if you're a, a pretty good pitcher, it means that you're throwing strikes. And the difference between, like, throwing strikes that allow the other team to make good contact and therefore make it difficult to play defense and throwing strikes that actually just go by the other team. Like it's a very fine, okay. weird, thing. weird thing where like you're better off being a worse pitcher because kids are likely going to chase bad pitches. 
So like, yeah, you might walk some guys, but ultimately yeah. it evens out because if you throw it at their eyes, they just can't fucking lay off it. They're it's going like irresistible. to swing. Irresistible, yeah. That. Right. They're going to swing at uh, the majority of balls as long as they're reasonably close. If you're just throwing meatballs down the middle and you're so you're accurate, but you're not terribly fast, then you're probably going to get touched and you okay. need really solid defense behind that sort of a pitcher in order to make any outs and we had the ball bounce our way and like calvin comes up in in that last inning five to four Calvin, who was actively sick right like, who was sick like fighting he, through being sick but at noon that day i was like look man you just have to fake it until it happens like you just have to pretend that you're fine you have to just try hard no matter what and he was like okay i will and he did i was like this far more than the fact that he 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 tied the game with a walk and then hit the game winning double to to score the ninth and the tenth go ahead runs to to finalize the game like i was happy for him but i'm mostly proud like if we're going to talk about being proud of him i'm yeah. proud of the fact that like he was feeling like shit and he, you couldn't even tell until later that day when all of the like energy and and uh adrenaline, adrenaline from away. it uh wore off of him he absolutely faked it and he absolutely made it and it was great well, that's good there's no like scouting or anything right there, there's no like hey we know that they have this one pitcher let's just exhaust their his 85 somehow and like we'll win or no we no. didn't know anything about this okay. team this team is they're from another little league we, we there is no scouting advanced or otherwise no advanced team in, in your uh, right. team? <laughs> there's, there's just this kid came up and is dominating the shit out of us and surely he's going to run out of pitches here eventually uh and then he did and you feel real bad for those yeah. kids too because like they were they were absolutely certain that they were going to beat us and then and then it's just they're with, all just kids with two yeah. outs in and I've never seen that before. We have two outs and we score 14 runs with two outs. It's like literally at any point during that time, one thing goes even the slightest bit differently and they're just out of the inning. Like it, and it must, and I've, I've experienced this as a fan before when you have two outs against a team and it's like, okay, so on literally any pitch out of the next indefinite number of pitches, right. It could just be over because he yeah. could just hit the ball to a guy who catches it, and that's just the end of it, yeah. right? Uh, but that didn't happen for like fifth, for like twenty straight batters. We batted around twice in that inning. Yeah. It was insane, uh, and you do you feel bad for them? But yeah, because like, they're yeah. just kids too. They're good. Yeah. They yeah. deserve things. Yeah. It's just sports. Yeah. But anyway, it was fun, and it's just a ceaseless. The baseball is endless. We have tonight off. We have games tonight, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then a game on Sunday also. We have four games this week. Wow. It's a lot. Uh, let's see here. What should we talk about this week, Abe? You know, the usual. I suppose we should start with Jack Teixeira, the young man. Oh, the child with all that information. So, not that this is a lengthy discussion, but I am interested in this commitment to calling this person a child basically right. and uh, colloquially it's fine he's 21 years old he's just a kid etc cetera, etc cetera. i think it's that picture right like it's there's something he just looks like maybe they just took him from his ROTC like three years ago when he was 18 he just looks like a child i know he's 21 as an adult but like he just came across as i like this guy he, does. All he this looks like a looks like a very young man his name is jack Teixeira. he's a 21 year old national guard airman and the fact that he was like a big deal 
on a Discord chat server, which is like a lot of gamers use Discord as the their main mode of communication with yeah. one another. Uh, doesn't like like he he didn't have a great deal of maturity, so I understand no. calling him a a kid in that way. But there's something about the way that we the media has constantly referred to him as essentially a child that. Again, while I understand it, he's obviously someone going through an extended adolescence in some way. Uh, this is also a legal adult who did yes. these things, yeah. who who swore an oath to do yada yada, and obviously we didn't. We try sixteen-year-olds as adults, right. right? Yeah, no, no, yeah, he should face the full brunt of whatever uh, comes his way. But what what's weird about his case is that he wasn't doing it, you know, like Snowden. There was a reason why he did, you know, to like reveal something about the U.S. government or that he was not pleased with, like the Pentagon Papers. There's always like some motivation behind it. This was just to impress younger kids like right to make a bunch of 14 and 15 year olds who looked up to him think that he was even more awesome right Uh, which is a weird thing to do with that information like there's things that other things that you could do to impress these kids you're like it's such a weird decision process like like look what i can show you and now you guys will think i'm cool like that was his entire motivation it's very bizarre he seems to have been caught up in this idea, and by, I guess we should explain it minimally, but this is a massive leak of top-secret information relating to relatively current, like, on-the-ground information of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now, including—and some people have made some hay over the fact that, like, he revealed that there are American troops on the ground in Ukraine— which I think got largely blown out of proportion. Yeah, it's it essentially like fourteen, and it was like probably like the Marines and some other type of like you know. Right. It's probably and, in all likelihood it's just referring to people who are at the embassy. Right. Like, and every embassy on the planet has Marines protecting it, so it's right. not surprising. It's like when, like Ron Paul used to always talk about how the United States has troops on the ground in 180 countries around the world, or something like right. that, and like 165 of them were just. Right. The Marines who were stationed at the at the various embassies around the world said, "Right, it's like sort a of sounds worse than it is." True thing, yeah. It's like right. So it's not to downplay any of the the stuff that has actually been released. Like it, it's not great that this was secret information that has now gotten out into the public. I do think it's a little weird that they're calling it a leak because to me, a leak has a certain definition yeah. that includes political motive. Like uh, and yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's my own problem, but to call this a leak strikes me as sort of slightly missing the point, which is, as you were saying, with Snowden, Snowden had a political reason for doing that. He believed that there were great unconstitutional right. harms being perpetrated on the American people, and he was going to attempt to right that wrong. Right. Wasn't and, there also and, more recently a uh, reality winner? Didn't she do something because she had some motivations? Right, she had again, an, but she's another one with like less than a less than fully formed adult, perhaps, right. or a less than fully mature, and or maybe that's not fair, but not fully aware, maybe of the consequences of right. her actions, and and not not aware of how minimal the difference would be relative to the punishment, right? Like yes. the the thing that she was doing wasn't going to change anything, uh, but the consequences were going to be rather harsh, and I think that. Like, this idiot, this Jack Teixeira kid, is 
he he just like it's it's mostly sad to me i guess yeah. like because there's talk about like he he would post videos of himself at a shooting range shouting anti-semitic and racist slurs and then uh, shooting his gun and like that's just sort of the coin of the realm for these idiots and in, in the in their 4chan and their discord servers and like this is just how idiots on the internet talk to each other something that sort of normie media gets wrong a lot of the time right. is insisting that like what they're doing here is actual racism and it's not it, it, to call these people racists like fine i guess they're exhibiting racist behavior but all they're really doing is transgressing in the only way that is legible to everyone right like the right. the only spaces in which transgression is even possible anymore is on the racism front and on the sort of anti-jew front play acting as nazis like it's not good obviously right and, like, and it's to that point you know there was uh before the, the he was arrested uh, and the the FBI got around to to arresting him after some media people got there first the 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 story that that first came out about it you know when it came to the actual leaks like they were kind of providing some cover for the U.S. government uh, like hey you know this is embarrassing but everyone kind of knew the U.S. was snooping around so it shouldn't come as a surprise almost kind of like giving context as to what's going on, but no such context, no such cover was given for the language that's used online and these chat rooms and stuff like that. Because, you know, to your point, it is almost like this, the, it's like, what is that goofy term? Lingua Franca. It's like, it's like Lingua Franca of the internet, which is like almost by default, people communicate in these kind of crass ways. Not, Not, again, not to excuse it, but like there wasn't such similar cover provided for this online way of speaking, which doesn't always remain online, you know, like with a video uh, and him saying all that stuff. But like, there's like this thing and sometimes people are just doing it just to get a reaction than anything right. else. It's not, well, the point is that it reads as right-wing extremism or something when the first, when, when you first hear about it uh, as they're first talking about this story. But then you find out that as a 21-year-old talking to a bunch of 15-year-olds, it's like, sorry, this is not a bunch. This is not some sort of neo-Nazi thing. This is not a bunch of right-wing extremists. This is just some idiot. And and the idiot, like, who appears to have been radicalized in certain weird ways in terms of, like, like he had some strong beliefs about Ruby Ridge and maybe Waco and that sort of thing. But like so maybe, not- maybe he was heading in that direction, you know, because it's not usually how it goes. Online communities, they start talking, you know, these grievances from, you know, notably bad acts by the U.S. government, no doubt. But like just the way that it's framed is done in such a way to kind of get galvanize people into doing other bad things or joining some stupid cause. Yeah, I guess the the bigger conversation here is likely just around why is it that this 21-year-old moron has access to these sorts of files? And the answer, of course, is uh, 9-11, to answer it as quickly as possible, which is that after 9-11, they made it much easier for various different intelligence agencies to share information with each other. And because that information has to be warehoused and sort of clearinghoused at various points along the way, you're going to end up with a million plus individuals in the United States who have access to top secret material and some smaller percentage of that that have access to sort of all of it in, right. <laughs> of everything that's in the pipeline I, I wonder uh, I, I wonder if if uh, I, I wasn't uh, sure what exactly he does but like do you think it's like some sort of IT thing like you know like 
any sort of administrative uh, support person who would need access to that information, uh, that can make the number be as high as it is. You know, th that number that you mentioned, over a million, that's still, it's kind of hard to wrap my head around. There are a million American, like, federal employees and contractors who have access to this. It's like, why would there be a need for that many people to have this access? And also, you know how on, uh, you know, in the news, they're like, hey, uh, you know, members of Congress, when they need to see some sensitive so stuff because they have oversight uh, responsibilities, they got to go into the, the skiff or like some room or like, hey, come here, you know, stash your phone. Uh, maybe you can have your chief of staff, but nobody else uh, in your uh, uh Office can be here, and then you have X amount of time to look at the stuff, and then you leave, and you can glean from whatever you want that information. Like it's so restricted in one aspect, but then on the other side, there's a million people who have access so to this information. It's not a million people that have access to everything, right? So it's he. You're correct to describe him as basically an IT guy. In the charging documents, they called him a, quote, cyber defense operations journeyman. I'm not sure what if that's a specific job, but that's what they called him. But essentially, apparently, it boils down to just being an IT guy. And so the fact that he was on this base at the 102nd Intelligence Wing, Air National Guard Base on Joint Base Cape Cod, whose mission is, quote, worldwide precision intelligence and command and control, along with trained and experienced airmen for ex expeditionary combat support and homeland security. So for whatever reason, as an IT guy working there, he had access to essentially the big pipeline rather than some compartmentalized right. version of it that the, the average person with access to it would have. Again, this sort of gets into the whole conversation about like the presidents having all of their top secret documents that they shouldn't have and ending up with documents in your garage that you forgot were there that maybe shouldn't necessarily be classified, this sort of overclassification problem. But also, I was interested in this conversation more in terms of what will it look like in 40 years in terms of is secrecy even possible, right? In 40 years, it's barely possible today. Right. So given the fact that if it is this provably easy to distribute huge quantities of that data that is supposed to be top secret, are we effectively living in a time where but for the honor system of over a million people right. and, and but for the people willing to take seriously the oaths that they've taken – we essentially don't have secret because uh, the, the whole point of the United States intelligence gathering operation and, and the other governments around the world that do this exact work is that essentially none of us have secrets from each other uh, in a meaningful way anymore, right? Like there's an expectation that operational plans are relatively secret. There's an expectation that hopefully at the absolute highest level, sensitive information is, is being kept quiet. I don't think that we're going to be moving into a time in which it becomes easier to secure this sort of information. And in all likelihood, it's only going to get more and more difficult. Right. And so the option is sort of to just flood the zone with shit. Uh, that's a Steve Bannon saying in terms of dealing with the media, because it makes it really hard for people to discern what actually matters. Right. And like to me, in 10 or 15 years, the idea that there's going to be any sort of top secret clearance that matters or or is effective in the way that we would have thought about something being top secret 50 years ago 
is very silly. Like I don't, I don't see that as the the future of intelligence work. I, I suspect the future of intelligence work is just discernment, essentially. Yeah, it's going to be combing through a ceaseless sea of bullshit and trying to find the signal in the noise. Right. And like, it, given that that is likely the future, like at, at what point do we just sort of give up on, on try, especially right. given like the rise of, of AI and the fact that we're going to have these robots that are spitting out videos and audio and, and pictures of things that uh, we cannot identify as necessarily being uh, human made or, or that they correspond to reality in any meaningful way. Right. Like the the zone, if it's flooded with shit now, it's only going to be infinitely worse in a fairly short amount of time. And I don't think anybody quite realizes the paradigm shift that we're in um, for in that regard. Might. Julia said that like first rule at work when you start as an analyst, as an intelligence analyst, is like if you see something really fucking interesting and exciting, that's uh, probably not real. Okay. Like that's like the first thing you learn is like if you go, oh, and it's like, yeah, that's probably nothing. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Already yeah. Onto it. You know, I don't I don't know if this is true, but uh, who was it? Somebody said it uh, on TV the other day, uh, along with the, the million people, million people, million people. The other thing was like this sort of stuff seems to only happen in America, like. Other places, their system. So I don't know. Is it like an access issue? Like we give too much access to too many people, and then that is your weakness. You know, inevitably you're gonna come across a Teixeira type, right? I mean, the it's just a numbers game. Inevitably you're gonna come across somebody. I don't know somebody. that we can say that this. I, I don't. I know you don't we know don't who know said that. that, but I don't right. think that this only happens in a, America. <laughs> I think it appeared Morgan of all people who said that. Uh, but I, again, I, I have you know, if you think of all the the, the manning, still keeping, still keeping peers on the DVR. Uh, no, he was uh, he was on Bill Maher's show. Oh, yeah, I do still wow. keep uh, on a DVR, but you know, like the big ones, you know, like Snowden, you know, in America based guy, uh, Manning, America. Reality went in America, this guy American. Well, yeah, like, the ones we fucking know about right. are a bunch of Americans. <laughs> we are American news consumers. Right, uh, but if the, 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 there was a big leak. The Panama Papers, the Panama Papers aren't an America thing. Yeah. They were in, yeah. in part a an America thing, but not exclusively, certainly, by any means. Right. Uh, we have the most interesting fucking secrets to hide, uh, for the most part, right? Like the, Yep. Is that the motivating principle? I do wonder, you know, you said that, okay, going forward, this is only going to be more difficult to, to do, as difficult as it is today. But, you know, the weakness is the weak link in this whole process. It's the people, right? If you if there is a Teixeira willing to do this, there really isn't much you can do currently, you know? And so maybe in the future, any sort of screenshot, you know, you can have like this paper we'll be able to kind of identify where it's coming from. Like to where like if you try to share something, like they can identify, oh, this is from the 102nd whatever. Right. Like without you being, to the naked eye, it's right. nothing. Which by the way, uh, my suspicion is that they knew who this guy was long before the Washington Post was unwilling to identify him in the paper. Like I don't believe for a second that they didn't know what was going on with this guy. And my guess is that they let him continue to operate for at least a little while after you, you mean like they found out that he was a, already they, leaking they, they things. They found out the Discord interactions 
in advance? Is, is that your thinking? I don't know how in advance, but certainly in advance of the Washington Post breaking the story last week, which, by the way, great story. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they went back and updated it with all new relevant information, but the original story that broke on this was a, a classic of the, oh, this is really fun to read sort yeah. of news, which that, you don't is that get the a lot one, of. Is that the one where they had to get permission from uh, the mother to, to have the, yeah, not the one where the, the, the source on it was some fucking sub 18 year old who <laughs> needed mommy's permission to talk to the newspaper man about what he'd been doing on the internet. <laughs> that reporter who must have been like a reporter for the, you know, for a long time. Like, I can't believe this is what's happening. I need to get permission on like a big, you know, internationally consequential story. And I need permission from a mother to speak to some shithead kid who's looking up right. to some 21 year old it's somewhat connected in my head to my thing that i've said on the show before i think about how eventually everyone's nudes are going to be online and so like that's the, like the solution to the problem of people's nudes leaking online yeah. is that we are in very short order going to be in a situation where everyone's nudes are just constantly available right and like you just go on the internet you're like i want to see that person naked and right. they're like all right here you go i mean assuming uh, they have nudes but yes no that's you no longer have to assume that they have nudes right like the with the way that you the you make it the, you deep, make the it up. ai deep fakes are oh. progressing like you can they can just do whatever like right. you want to i'd like to see abe but with just a <laughs> tremendous wang just a just a nobody absolute, would want to see that 18-inch hog that just wraps around his legs. And my squat squat down thumbs upping in this. (laughs) That's right. Like there will be there will be no stopping it, and 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 it also connects to the the problem of ghost guns for me as well, which is like you can 3D print guns. All you need is a 3D printer. Like so, for all of the talk about gun control and and trying to solve the problem of there being too many guns in the streets. We are like one small generation away from 3D printers that are relatively cheap, can live in your basement, and just print you a a gun that you can then go ahead and assemble. And actually, like, if you go on the internet to some less than savory places, you can get all of that information already. We're not, in fact, a generation away from that. You can just do it now. And uh, build your own automatic machine guns at home if you wanted to. And like when I was listening to the various senators and talking heads talk about this intelligence problem on the Sunday shows this weekend, I kept sort of having that same thought about ghost guns and about AI deepfake porn, which is like we are right on the cusp of this conversation not mattering at all because because we are we are about to be living in a world of no secrets and of absolute no friction between me wanting to find a piece of information and being able to find that information out there in the world uh, in a way that that will be absolutely transformational. And right. the same goes for the deep fake porn and the same goes for the ghost guns. Like we, we need to be having a vastly different conversation about the world uh, as it's going to be rather than the one that we imagine we're still living in when we're clearly not anymore. Although uh, it seems like because of the ease and availability of guns today, like there really isn't even a need to do this 
oh, I'm going to get my 3D printer. You can just go anywhere and get a gun. That's never going to change. Like, what's the point of having some 3D printer? Right. So the things that they uh, 3D print now are like these bump stocks that they uh, have made it more difficult to get or like or other. So if you want to modify your AR in a way that is not compliant with uh, whatever regulation, then you just can ghost print it or what have you. Speaking of guns and shootings, there are two fun ones Hey, less less than fun. Probably shouldn't call them fun. You really shouldn't. You should just edit that out. It was a 16-year-old named Ralph Jarl was shot twice, once in the head, after knocking on the wrong door, after being sent by his parents to retrieve his siblings from a friend's house. This was in Kansas City. A man, 84, has been charged with two felonies after opening fire on young Mr. Ralph who is recovering, uh, though his injuries were grave. It appears that he's going to live. Survived a shot to the head and yet in another shot. What did that woman? People do. Yeah, people are. Yeah. Maybe that's the other thing. These hospitals hospitals are like so good at this now that if you get them there, like if they're in bleed out, they can actually do some things. So this guy was, he went to, like, the address was correct, but he went to street instead of terrace, or he went to terrace instead of street. So it's sort of like going to a a street instead of an avenue. Like, these things are at cross-purposes to one another, and he just went to the wrong one. And unfortunately, he got the 84-year-old man out of bed, uh, who he was apparently going to sleep for the night. Uh, He hears the knock on the door, goes to the door with his gun, and... Though the specifics are not entirely clear, either had a very brief conversation with the young man or had no conversation at all uh, before shooting him. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a racial animus at play here. We we will certainly hear a great deal about it uh, in the next few days. And reasonably so. It's a a terrible story. And Was this uh, – because, you know, we're we're recording on Monday – this happened when, like over the weekend, some at some point over the weekend. I believe this happened about five days ago. Okay, but I would have to double check that. Okay, because I wonder, like, is the uh, are the charges today based yeah, late on? Thir- sorry, late late Thursday. So and late thir- This happens late Thursday, and I assume like over the weekend and into this week, they were gathering information and independent of the pressure to do something by the public, you know, because there was a big reaction to the story when it kind of made the rounds online. Uh, is is their position they were going to do this anyways, or are they just doing this because of the flack they're getting? I haven't heard that this was a result of public pressure, but, I mean, he's been charged with two felonies, felony assault and armed criminal action. Right. He told police that it was the last thing he wanted to do, but he was scared to death because of the teenager's size and his own age and inability to defend himself, according to the criminal complaint. He believed he was protecting himself from a physical confrontation and could not take the chance of the male coming in, the complaint said of Lester. He was visibly upset and repeatedly expressed concern for the victim. Yeah. So he Uh, was not the one who called the police, right? Like... The, no, the neighbors called the police yeah. after the after the gunshots were heard, and then this kid was like walking around, knocking on doors, trying to get somebody to help him, and somebody eventually did. So th- this seems like a uh, this. I, I, I'd like I'd love to hear what uh, the defense is going to be. Some version of the doctrine cast, you know, the just hey, you came to my house, or stand your ground, or some variation of the two. 
But like, it is an unreasonable standard to have anyone who I didn't invite is liable to get shot with like very minimal right. interaction. So, though Missouri has very strong standard ground laws, uh, it does not appear to be the case that having your doorbell rung or your door knocked on at eight o'clock at night. And then you open it. And then you open the yeah. door and shoot the guy. Like right. that is not that that is not a rational fear. If the defense is going to be that you were scared to death, uh, you're not going to, in all likelihood, be able to get away with that because it is not, in fact, right, a rational fear. Right, because that could happen. You know, back back in the olden days, uh, in uh, delivering pizza days, you, you know, on rare occasion, you would go to the wrong place. But like, you're not thinking, oh shit, I'm gonna get shot. Like you just go to the wrong place or somebody's not there or something happens. Uh, there's some sort of miscommunication. But if people could just shoot each other just because, like what kind of standard is that? And it sounds like what the old geezer is saying is that, well, I couldn't let this play out because his youth and size would overwhelm me if I allowed it to play out. So the margin was such that I had to, take this you know even uh, though the person was not in fact a threat nor did he appear to be posing any threat but because you opened the door and saw a large black right. person there you got scared right like your 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 personal racial animus right. is not a defense against felony assault even in missouri even in america in could, the year could 2023 could you argue apparently. that like I mean, could, could that work? Like my racial animus, which I'm working on. I mean, I'm 84. I haven't. I should have fixed it. But uh, I still don't. Ha- it, it, it still has a grip on me, and uh, that caused me. I want to go. I want to go back to school, and <laughs> and do law school just so that someday I can argue before a judge and jury. That, no, it's because I'm so racist. That yeah. my client only. That you must vote to uh, not convict my client uh, because he's such a racist piece of shit and therefore justified in his fear. The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, tweeted, she said, in part, let's be clear. (laughs) Big, big fan of that. Jesus Christ. And I'm only bringing it up because she says, let's be clear. She says, no child should ever live in fear of being shot for ringing the wrong doorbell. That's a fine statement, right? Why did you have to preface it with let's be clear? Because she has to be condescending what, all the time. What are you clearing up? But that is her favorite go-to, what right? What was the confusion? No, everyone is an idiot, so she has to make sure that she's being clear to the idiots. But it it, it must pull well. You know, this is my stupid uh, answer for everything because, like— I have heard her open so many statements with let, let that that's the same phrase every time. Like you could probably find twenty such examples over the last couple of years. It's interesting that she always goes with that. Let's be clear. She's awful. She can never be president. Do- Joe Biden has not yet announced that he's running again. And here's my he's, plan. He's not right? gonna replace her. Come on, don't be ridiculous. I here's my plan, Abe. <laughs> Diane Feinstein is uh, demented, like fully demented. She has shingles. She's not in the Senate. She's been out for six weeks or something, uh, recovering from her shingles issue. Yeah. Uh, Her office this week uh, released a statement saying that the the senator has decided, and and as soon as I heard the senator has decided, I laughed out loud (laughs) and... (laughs) 
in, in derisive, mocking laughter because she hasn't decided – she hasn't even decided to fucking put on pants in the last goddamn three months. I guarantee it. Everyone else is making all of the decisions for her. There was that thing a few months ago where, like, I forget what the specifics were, but her office puts out some statement on yes. Monday night and on Tuesday morning – some reporter finds her in the hallway and is like, hey, about that thing that you said last night. Right. She's like, oh, I never said anything right. like that. It's like, ah, ah, why is this person allowed to have, uh, allowed to leave the, the group home? Never mind be a senator of the, of the United States of America. All right. So established clearly yes. Yes. that Dianne Feinstein uh, should not be a senator any longer. She has uh, seen better days, be, yes. Right, should should resign her position, or rather, her office should choose to resign her position no for her because she in the rules about that. There's no rules. She is incapable of making the decision. I know, but she's the and only one who clear. can make that decision. You know, and the voters of California who were okay with uh, what eighty three year old Feinstein goes right. Gavin Newsom says, "I'm going to appoint Vice President Kamala Harris <laughs> to be the next." Senator from the state of California, <laughs> giving her uh, the other seat. Now, she used to have that yeah. other Senate seat. Now she gets this. She can be that can be the great accomplishment. She's the first uh, Asian and first black woman to hold two different Senate seats in the same United States <laughs> state. Uh, a tremendous accomplishment, unlikely to ever be uh, uh, happen again in the great history of the United States. What is the uh, the upside to the current first and only vice president to be a woman to take that demotion? Like, why would she want to do that? The upside for her, yeah, is that she's going to get to run to be vice president again with Gavin Newsom oh, in about eighteen months you... or so. So this is it's just a trade. Gotcha. So then Biden says, "I now choose Gavin Newsom to be my vice president." And successor, and then as part of the whole deal, Newsom uh, announces in July of next year or whenever that Kamala Harris is going to be the oh, next, just so the I second, can... the second Asian and the second Black Vice President woman of the United States of America. Another accomplishment, unrivaled in American history. And this but is you how think... we solve. This is how we solve the Diane Feinstein problem, <laughs> the Kamala Harris problem, and the Donald Trump problem. How because, is this solving any of these problems? Because she's Donald, around still. She can be around still in her meaningless role in the Senate and in her meaningless role as vice president. And, again, future meaningless role as vice president. Right. And I think that Gavin Newsom could beat Donald Trump. I'm not convinced that Kamala Harris could beat Donald Trump. Right. Although uh, I would like to note, uh, it, w it would be hilarious to have uh, the the first uh, woman, the first black this and whatever to be vice president, to be kicked out for just yet another white dude <laughs> in the Democratic Party. <laughs> the gambit would would collapse immediately. Uh, I mean, the, you no, say wrong. This is a great plan. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I, I think. I mean, the vice presidency is more useless than a senator. You know, at least with a senator, you can have like some chairman of something or do, you know, go to some foreign trip, do something. The vice president job is pretty useless. Yeah, she could even stick her in Feinstein's seat on the judiciary. Like she could right. assume that level of authority. Like that, that should she's be thinking, the deal. I, she probably honestly does think she's just heartbeat away from the presidency. And, and what a heartbeat. Pretty shaky, right? So like. It is pretty shaky. <laughs> Stick around. 
I read something this week about how if you think that getting past 2024 without Trump in office or even Trump becoming president and then you can like relax because at least if we just make it through the next four years, like that will be the end of it. Right. Like he, he's and then the, this piece was like, oh, you're an idiot. Right. He is absolutely running again in 2028. It doesn't matter. He's going like he's essentially immortal. He's right. not going to die anytime soon. And uh, the idea that he would simply go away in 2029 because he was term, term limited out when he's already said multiple times that they stole his first term from him. And why shouldn't right. he get another four years after that? Right. And I think that's basically right. Like he wouldn't, he would not willingly just say, yep, well, that's my eight years. That's right. what I got. Yeah. Oh, we'll see you down in Florida. Now, this is a, a, a risky thing to say, but like you, you would think that if, if Trump were to go through this uh, uh, presidential cycle and then lose in much the same way to old man Biden, you know, like let's say the same states break blue, but the margins are larger, you know, like he wins Georgia by a slightly larger, not not like a lot, but just instead of 11,000, like 30,000, like Wisconsin, all these other states, like, but the number, you know, of electoral votes remain the same. He loses yet again. This is now the fourth election cycle where Trump is kind of the the oxygen uh, and the party loses like there's no I mean again risky thing to say there's no way that they would still be with him in 28 like I mean this, come on this thing has run its course like it should already have run its course but like yet another defeat who's going to fill the void who's like again like I just there's something about his prosecution his his arrest and arraignment and the the way that the the entire party coalesced behind him in a way that they haven't since before January sixth, right? In a right. way that they haven't really since the the closest I can remember is is the Ukraine impeachment thing, right? right. Like it's just they were unified in the idea that that was a bogus impeachment, and they're or all but unified anyway, uh, and they're all but unified on the Trump question now. Not necessarily that they want him to be. The, the nominee, but certainly that they believe that he's being treated unfairly right. and, and therefore sort of just playing his game. Anyway, I don't have to talk about that anymore. There's another story out of Saratoga County up in New York. So I believe it's in the Albany area. A 20-year-old girl was in a car with friends and they pulled into the wrong driveway looking for their friend's house. And a 65-year-old comes out out of the front of the house and shoots at the car, killing her. Wow. So this is another story in which a person felt threatened in their home and came outside and shot at the people who were on their property. It should be... Uh, uh, not great. It not should great. be... It, it is, again, I, I don't know these people. Uh, maybe they're pleasant in other settings. It appears that they're seeking these opportunities to shoot at people because... A accidental, you know, somebody turning into your drive uh, driveway, yes, it's not fun. It may be startling if you're anxious or one of those people. Uh, yes, I can see how you wouldn't like that. But to take any opportunity that you can plausibly defend in court as 
okay, I'm going to kill right. them and I can get away with it. Like, right? Because so for I you think to... I think that's what's going on here with this is just a fucking absolute maniac who saw a car on his property that he didn't like and then shot the girl who was in the passenger seat. Right. I don't think that that's exactly what we have there in Kansas City. Like, I don't know. But like, eight to me, 84 years old and probably legitimately scared. Not, not rationally scared. Right. But I believe in all likelihood actually experiencing a great deal of anxiety in that moment rather than uh, pure sort of retributive anger or something like that. Right. That doesn't appear to be the case here in New York. This is... That is what, remember, uh, th this sort of stuff happens occasionally. There was that story where s somebody's neighbor's house was getting robbed and for some reason the person thought that they would interject on their behalf and like they can see the person fleeing with something and they're like they, they were compelled to shoot like they were on the phone with the cops and they're like we don't need to do anything and he's like oh they're getting away with it let me just shoot right. like it, it's like they're they're people just i don't know if it's the stuff that they're consuming or just like this thing that's been building over the years but they don't seem to mind to kind of take this risk by like shooting somebody in the hopes that they'll be let off by friend a friendly jury Right. And so who knows, maybe this uh, the 84 year old, I don't know, maybe he'll go with the if he's not going to use my uh, racial animus uh, defense, he can maybe yeah, I'm 84, not far from Feinstein. She's not all there. I wasn't all there. And here we are. You know, maybe he can use that. But like yeah. these other cases, it seems like they're kind of counting on a stand your ground or doctrine thing, uh, you know, castle doctrine thing, like some sort of thing that will defend them uh and it's like that's kind of a fucked up thing to do uh and it's also needlessly you know yeah i remember having an argument with my brother i think possibly even on the show back in like 2009 about like because he he insisted that somebody who breaks into your house like while you're there and is just like tr to, to try to steal your shit like you should just let them take it. Like they they should just take it and like, and like you wish them well. Basically, right. was his position. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it it came down to his like, he, he's like property doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is life. Like yeah. this is all very stupid. Yeah. And I, that always drove me crazy because once a person has broken into my house yes. while I'm there, it's not clear to me that all that the the whole reason that they're there is to get my TV right. and to maybe see if I have any loose cash around or maybe the wife has some jewelry or something hidden in a in a thing under the underwear drawer. Like if you're going to be so brazen as to break into a house that has people inside, my assumption is that you're likely going to be willing to do violence, uh, interpersonal violence in a way that would uh, not be acceptable. Right. So it's right. not just. Yeah. It's not clear what their intention is. Yeah. Because you're right. You know, like a burglary, that would be the preferable thing. Right. If you're going to steal when someone's not there, you break into a home and steal. There are likely indicators of somebody is in the house and this person still decided to break in. Right. So like they knew that this wasn't like a vacant home at the moment and they still decided to, to break in. So now it's unclear that property is the only thing that they want, right? Because they could, why not do right. it when you're not there? I'm not a gun owner, and I don't think that I would ever find myself being a gun owner. Uh, certainly not one who, like, you know, keeps a shotgun by the front door just in case or something along those lines. Right. Uh, 
But like the idea that I wouldn't like grab what what was near to hand and like beat the shit out of that person right. if I had the opportunity. Uh, like, of course I would. I don't know what this fucking maniac is going to do. He broke into my house while I was here. Right. Like, he's not here for anything good, certainly. And, like, uh, if in his heart all he was after was a TV, he gave up the right to not have a broken fucking shoulder or leg if my baseball bat was near enough to hand, right? right. Like, he's sorry. Like, it, it would be wrong of me, and I would feel terrible if I killed the guy, I'm sure. Uh, but, like, uh, no, you're right. Shit's it, happening now. It does change the calculation when somebody breaks into. They're inside your home, and it's you know you can't just assume. Oh, yeah, there's a TV, uh, and uh, there's another one upstairs. So I can give you a hand. Like you, you don't know what they're doing, and so yeah, in that and case, yeah, like, do whatever you that, know. That's not. That's not me trying to defend the idiot who's like sees his neighbor's place getting robbed and is and somehow then yeah. ends up chasing down a burglar and shooting him in the back or something along those right. lines. Right. That but. that there should be no scenario where that's allowed because there's no danger to life. Right. This is a home that no one is in. He's stealing. You just you know take the description, take a picture if you want or whatever. But like for you to mete out justice on your you know because of whatever. That's not how the, the system works, and you shouldn't do that. All right. There's a story in The Atlantic this month, a big actual magazine story, not just some stupid blog. It's called The Myth of the Broke Millennial. And after a rough start, the generation is thriving. Why doesn't it feel that way? And so there's this, there's a sort of – it's almost a meme. Uh, anytime somebody posts something online about like – uh, why don't millennials do this? And uh, there's a response tweet that's like, well, a financial crisis in 2008, and it costs 10 times as much to buy a house now as it did before, and uh, we don't have health care. And, you know, it's, it's like they, they live in this sort of... They? We, I there suppose. There you go. We, we millennials, we live... Uh, also, as I've said many times before, I do not count myself. Yeah, you're... You're dumb and wrong. Among the millennials, we are a tweener generation. If you were born between 1979 and 1987, you are very special, just like me. We are me. special millennials. <laughs> we're Ger the best millennials. Geriatric is what they call it. 79 to 87. We're if, the kings were, of the millennials. If you were in high school or college aged fucking on 9-11. gave you social media, you fucking kids. Then you are, in fact... Uh, what I have always preferred to call Generation Y, it, it follows, of course, Generation X, and you are not a millennial. Anybody born 88 or later, those are the millennials. We are different from them. I will not be counted also, among them. Also, I think I mentioned this in the past, like millennial and boomer becoming permanent generations yeah, to no, describe no, no. young and old. Because it seems like no one yeah. seems to – like millennials – to the you know no, the, it means something. the conventional definition, those people are in turning forty, right? So like Not when people those people, are, people us, right? Yes, those people who are also us are turning forty. So like a lot of the millennial stuff usually is geared toward these youths. Like it's like it's almost interchangeably used. Yeah, that no, it's, it's people uh, are entering it's become middle age. Euphemism for young person, I don't like. Right, it's like hippies. It started with hippies. Right. And right. then it became millennials, and now apparently we're rich. It's not that we're rich. It's just we're that not. we're not any worse off than basically any generation that came before. And yeah? It's, it's, Let's, we need to revisit that in 30 years when there's no Social Security? Maybe. Although there's – as I've 
mentioned, I, I think I mentioned on the show before, if they just eliminate the income cap on Social Security, you solve like half the problem. Yeah, raise okay, it. but are they going to do that? We are super fucked. No, we're, so it's funny. We are fucked uh, by, strictly by the numbers. We're not nearly as fucked as some of the other, like like France, for example, is no, uh, the, like the super fuck fucked. France, us, me. I fucking work all the time. I'm fucked. No, we're not. This is, okay, fine. <laughs> but we're not as fucked as the millennial malaise meme would have us all believe okay. is the point. There's this there's a persistent belief in the culture that like, oh, we graduated college and right into a recession and then we had the housing crisis and then we had the the uh, fucking pandemic and we're all just fucking miserable sad sacks and, now inflation, and we're never going to be yeah, yeah. we're never right inflation we're never going to have what our parents had and we're certainly never going to have what their parents had and it's and it's worse now than it's ever been before and the data simply do not bear that out right according to this article and i don't want to get into the specifics i encourage you i'll link to a copy of the article that somebody stole uh, so that you don't have to worry about the paywall uh, if you would like to go read this yourself. But I am sort of interested in an underlying conversation, which is, do you remember being like back in college and obviously you worked uh, as well. And yeah. so you had a full load of classes and you're a very busy person and you had you had life and school and work and all of these other things going on. And there were certain people who you would talk to in that similar situation as yours, who could not, who made a sport out of complaining about yeah. how, not even complaining, complaining is maybe an unfair word, but of talking about how pressed they were for time and sleep and everything else, that, that the, the weight of everything in their lives was always too much to right. bear, right? Because the way, oh, I have to work this many hours and then I have to study this many hours and I have to do this, I have to do that. The busyness of their lives became an identity almost. Like yeah. this this sort of... Yeah, that's been a thing. Right. This is something that, that some people just sort of carry around with them, right? It's almost like a, it's a psychological state of being that says that and it's, it can be motivating, I think, for some people. Like, I understand why people is get it? into that it, sort of... It, you, you think that... that I would just thought like this in that... Yeah, just, it makes you feel like you're doing something. But you, you don't think eventually it's going to have this, like, wallowing in, like, that can possibly be right. like it's a good not thing. exactly it's, it's not, not exactly wallowing. it's not exactly like the oppression olympics where, you, where people talk about their various intersectionalities and the way that they've been injured by the world but it yeah. is it is of a piece with sort of an oppression olympics it's 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 an exhaustion olympics where there's a certain kind of person who has to be constantly under immense strain right. by the various circumstances in their life and i think that there's a and again, I think that's, that's almost a – it's a psychological state more than it is yes. anything else yeah. because I knew plenty of other people who worked just as much as these people, who went to school just as much as these people, who were like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> like <laughs> you were not the sort of person to bitch and moan right. about that sort of thing, because right? Like, no, this is, this is just life. It is an entirely useless exercise. Like I don't – I never – I mean complaining occasionally is you know, natural, but just you're right. Like, this constant – Thing it's just gonna, 
you're just going to ruin right, your Right, it's death. one thing to complain about it. It's something else to make it part of your identity. Right. And like this, this is something that some people did then, and it, I, it most presented itself to me in that in that realm, in like college and work realm, right. uh, where where these people wore their exhaustion like a sort of identity. Uh, I think to a certain extent, this millennial malaise meme thing is sort of people wear it the same way it, it's almost become a sort of identity to insist that we are we are uniquely beleaguered by our circumstance as a as a group of people born at a certain time uh, due to the various circumstances of the world that we've grown up in in the face of data that says otherwise right in the face of data that says actually most generations just have trouble in their 20s like it's, it's never easy to be in your 20s when there's 40 years of grown-ups in front of you in all of the good jobs right. like that's just sort of how it works and yeah did we have a housing blow up in 2008 and did we have a, a big job crunch both in 2000 2001 and then again the the, the whole pandemic thing like but you'll notice like oh well, that was 10 years oh and that was about 10 years before that and oh, about 10 years before oh and then oh you tell me like 1983 really sucked in terms of interest rates and right. national unemployment numbers right. oh and then there was like the there wasn't any fucking gas in america yeah. in the 70s for a little while there shit fucking sucks for everybody yeah but they didn't have point. the internet to tell them how right. much it sucked right so that's sort of the point that i'm getting at is like and, and this article i think hints at that i've only read it once so i can't remember exactly and it's a very long one, so I'm not going to be able to find it right this moment. But basically, the fact that we're online all of the time and you have social media and you have uh, all of this aspirational bullshit out there, like the Kardashian lifestyle nonsense, like it becomes this thing where you're comparing yourself yes. to the fake ideal of everyone that you went to high school or college with or the people who are your, your your 10 years older siblings who have more established lives and have instagram perfect families and all of that and like there there's a there's a way that that reinforces this idea that everybody else has it better than me and i will never have it as good as they do right and you you start to wear this sort of it's not exactly, I don't want to say class envy, but you, you wear this sort of oppression like an identity. And like the, the beleaguered millennial, I think, has become sort of an identity that people won't want to let go of. Right. And I wonder if there's any actual, like, can you collectively escape that if it's become a sort of feature and a, and a thing that is reinforced by everyone else in your peer group when you talk about it online, right? right? You know, the... Uh what, what is that uh, expression? The comparison is the thief of joy, or whatever. You know, so not only like as you described, right. all this online, this this curated life of others that you see online, right? You're not seeing all of it. You're just seeing when they're in Cabo, right? And when they're doing something fun. Uh, so you're doing that comparison, not fun. And then you're also doing this generational comparison where, or some people are doing this, uh, the the wallowers, the, the, I'll call them that. Uh, I, you know. Previous generations got to marriage faster. They got their first home faster. They were settled faster. They didn't have $200,000 worth of student loans. Like, there's a lot of comparing of the things that you don't have or the circumstances are unfavorable to you um, compared to 
others that it's never done the other way. Like all the good things that you do have that you didn't have and, you know, other generations um, had to suffer through. One of them was like back when they had to draft, like, hey, go stand in a field and die. Like, good luck. You know, like right. you don't have to worry about that. Like you don't have to worry about a lot of the, you know, crime was a lot higher back in the day. Like you don't have to deal with that. I mean, there are just so many things that are better now. And yes, there are certain things that are worse, but like, the fixation on just only the things I don't have is not a good mental state of being because you're just going to be just that. And whatever you, um, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever you identify with will be hard to just do away with because now it's part of you. It's not just like a thing. It's like part of how you see yourself. And so you could be in your 60s and you can, you can find people complaining about, oh, the the boomers fucked us and, and maybe they, they did certain things, but like just that mindset is probably going to carry with them the rest of the way. Right. And the chief image, the, the lead image on this story is a, a piece of fancy avocado toast on a, on a, <laughs> on a gold platter because of course it is. And because the, the sort of joke is, oh, these millennials are always complaining, but, but if they would just stop buying all the avocado toast yeah. and the, and the, the $4 coffee yeah. and they, save their money, then they'd be much better off. And I recognize that that's a very silly sort of meme and and it's a silly way of thinking about the world. But at the same time, my parents didn't have any fucking money in the 80s when they had my brother and I. They didn't have any fucking money. You know what else they didn't have? They didn't have an entertainment budget, right? right? They got they got their entertainment from over the air television <laughs> right. and the radio, right? And like maybe my dad splurged on a CD player in 1986 because he was a uh, fucking music nerd. Like there there was no subscription fucking four hundred dollars right. different goddamn subscription services and all of this shit. Like it, it was just. You could subsist and have a normal middle class life without all of the the shit that we take absolutely for granted yes. in this. And not to go full like uh, talk radio asshole here, <laughs> but like there's a flat screen TV with Internet and cable TV in every single house in the projects. Right. And it's like, you know what? It sucks to live in the projects, but that's true. Right. And it, you know what that means? It's way like wildly more luxurious and technologically advanced now than it was 50 years ago. And does it suck to be poor and to feel like, like, and is it a, a truly anxiety inducing thing to have to live paycheck to paycheck? Absolutely. It is. Right. And I, I, I don't discount that at all, but for the most part, when we're talking and the data bears this out, according to this article, anyway, we're talking about a cohort of people who are actually relatively well off and probably shouldn't be complaining nearly as much as they are. I know you and said if, you... I'm sorry. If if you have more than one streaming service and you're paying an internet bill and a cell phone bill and like you just yeah, I just have no sympathy. And you for occasionally, you. Like, you know, will take Uber when you can take some other, you know, like you know, yeah, there are all these expenses and you just hey, this is just what life is. Uh, but these are right at the same time that the Silicon Valley has been subsidizing a butler for you for the last right. fucking 10 years right. that like butler, you can right. have literally anything and you do i don't right. so clearly some other asshole millennials are doing it right. but you're having uh, concierge service constantly at your fingertips which which costs a fraction of what its actual cost is because of the amount of money that uh that uh, Silicon Valley and and venture capitalists have been willing to invest in finding the next unicorn, right? right. So you're uh, like whatever. Uh, now it's just me getting off on a truly shitty old man rant there, but like y we have it uh, so spectacularly good, 
in this country and at this time. There's never been a better time to be alive. Yeah, but now millennials complain all the time, so it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, I guess it underscores that all of those things, the TVs and the whatevers, aren't really going to make you happy. Like, I mean, it'll just make things tolerable, but like... People are still unhappy or still stressed about other things. Like it doesn't really solve anything. Well, no, of course it's not going to make you happy. But this the it makes me happy. Yeah, I find that enjoyable. Yeah, Pesca had a guest on uh, a Bob's guy. Bob's been on this guy so much. Every time I come home, it's Mike Pesca. Oh, yep, he's, yep, he's, yep, uh, yep. he's pretty good. Yeah, is it the happiness uh, thing? The, yeah, yeah, he had a good interview with the happiness researcher from Harvard uh, last week. I'll make sure there's a link to those episodes in the show notes. Everybody should be listening to Pesca. Yeah. He does a very good job of a daily podcast. and it's, His energy is too high. Oh, is it? Well, I will say, uh, it, it, I think I've said this before to you, Bob, but like a lot of the interview uh, guests that he has on are often like surprised at like how well the interview went. Like, oh, you're asking like, really good questions and like this was a lot he's of he's a terrific interviewer yeah. who actually does his homework yeah. before the guest comes on he, he has either read the book or read large portions of the book he acknowledges where his the holes in his knowledge are and always seems curious and is always asking a good question and i disagree with a lot of what he says uh i don't know maybe 40 percent of the time yeah. or something i i have strong disagreements with the way that he's conducting uh, conversation or or the conclusions that he's coming to, but he's an absolutely a good faith interlocutor in the interviews for the most part, and certainly uh, in his opinion pieces at the start and the end of each show. So. Uh, when uh, Terry Gross leaves her post, like they should slide him in to uh, that interview show because he could just do that. Oh, he's he is persona non grata in that land any longer. Oh, water on the bridge. That was a long time ago. That, fucking slate website came out with a new podcast extolling the virtues of disagreeing about uncomfortable topics and i was like they better i hope that any single penny in profit that they make from that show should be sent directly to mike pesca for what they did to him that was that was wrong they all got caught up in it yeah you've been listening to cast iron brains a podcast with bob and ape find the show on facebook or twitter head on over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com for a show note, let's see, a couple of things we didn't talk about tonight. Appear to be re-upping the investigation into Army Hammer out there in Los Angeles to find out if he did the bad thing or not. I thought he just talked about doing the bad thing. He did the bad thing? He talks about bad things, and he does other bad things. Okay. And you just have to figure out. We'll see. I think he's probably fine. Uh, Andrew Gillum is going. The guy who was like. Thousands of votes away from uh, beating DeSantis the first right. go round, and then he, he got caught beat up DeSantis in DeSantis in 2018, and now he's on trial in federal court. He's the one that was like caught up in some sort of drug fueled uh, shindig. Yeah, they found him in a South Beach hotel room uh, with a, an overdosed man. Oh, having uh, a lot not of fun. a great look. Yeah, he's going to trial. Uh, let's see, you, real quick here. Let's play. Do you wanna? Take a quick like uh, guess as to what the uh, Supreme Court will rule this week on the abortion thing. It'll be like a unanimous like get out of here, no standing, or or unanimous with Clarence Thomas dis dissenting. Like the uh, Mifepristone, whatever that that abortion thing. 
uh, that's going to the court. Are they going to be at the Supreme Court already this well, week? I missed that gonna, They did like an extended uh, a stay until Wednesday of this week, and they're going to decide. I think the issue seems to be uh, standing, whether or not that the, the religious person who didn't want to prescribe the medication was harmed in any way by the existence of this medication. Like, I know there was some legal mumbo-jumbo underneath it, but, like, the people who brought on the suit, like, do they have standing? I, I think that that's going to be the Supreme Court's way out of this debate and say that this case shouldn't have been allowed. I guess we'll see. I, so it just comes down to whether or not they buy the Texas judge's rationale that right. the FDA fucked up. Did not follow the, the, the rules, that, yeah. Right. So I don't know. I suspect that Roberts would be happy to get to get out of it by saying there's no standing here. But uh, I won't make any predictions Eight. again. I, I didn't realize it was even going to the yeah. Supreme Court already. Uh, real quick, Abe, it's one of your favorite days of the year. The day that this podcast comes out, of course, it's uh, any IRS uh, shitbag person who works for the man. Loves it. It's tax day. We did our taxes a, a month ago or so. Maybe we get money back. A little more. I always want to do it extra early because I like money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but not everyone is so lucky. Uh, Abe, just gleeful. They are Gle- doing fine. <laughs> they should fix their withholding and pay better attention. Abe's a very spiteful man, and so his favorite day of the year <laughs> to, you know, is so today. Today is like the, the, the local holiday in D.C., right? On Tuesday will be the tax day. Right, right. So today, as in the day that this podcast gotcha. comes out, is officially tax day. Because the 15th, of course, was Saturday, and any time the 15th is a Saturday, they give you the extra couple of days, right? All right, so this is uh, Mark Strassman uh, reporting on this year's uh, tax refunds amid high inflation. We will find out if CBS News's senior national news correspondent got off a good one. In tonight's Money Watch, CBS's Mark Strassman has tips to help you maximize your refunds. Matt and Heather Mahalski own this custard store near Atlanta. Inflation's eating into their profit margin. The couple hoped for their typical tax treat, a healthy refund. To have that little bit of extra money helps us deal with the seasonal nature of our business and the changing expenses in our business. During the pandemic, the Mahalskis relied on government stimulus checks. A PPP loan kept their business afloat and child tax credits for their two children boosted their tax refund. Two years ago, that refund was $8,800. Last year, it dropped to $1,700. And this year, they owe. $3,100. $3,100. And what was your reaction? It's a rude awakening, yeah. True. By one estimate, roughly 70% of Americans worry about tax refunds this year, mainly because of expiring pandemic relief programs. Take the enhanced child tax credit for families. It dropped from up to $3,600 per child to $2,000. Accountant Andrew Pulo says the time to get ahead of next year's tax return is now. There's no silver bullet to this. Correct. It's a series of planning. So planning for contributions to health savings, planning for contributions to retirement account, planning for contributions to a college savings fund if you have children. Experts like Pulos advise double-checking for any missing deductions. And for a refund next year, consider adjusting your withholdings now. There's nothing we can do about it other than just you know react to it and manage the money as best we can. This tax season is like their custard. 
No artificial sweeteners. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Atlanta. All right, Abe, did uh, CBS News' senior national news correspondent, Mark Strassman, get off again? You know, one? I was inclined initially to go with yes when he did the typical tax treat thing, but he ended that on a rough note, so no. No, that not. was bad. Ooh, That's sorry, no. Mark. Try again but, next time. Right, though, because fix your withholding if you're so worried right. about it. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, but, like, it's such a worthless statement to say – we got a refund of this size this year, and then a refund of this size this year, and then we owed money this year. That, that tells me nothing about your tax burden. Right. That tells me absolutely nothing about anything except that you were hoping to get a sweet scratch-off ticket in the middle of April this year, uh, and you have no idea what your actual financial situation is, right? Yeah. Like, you're just a dummy who isn't really sure at any point what your tax burden is going to be. And therefore, uh, sometimes the dice are going to come like, up wrong for you. Did you hire an employee and not pay payroll? Like, right. Figure it out. It's fucking assholes. Anyway. <laughs> I could fix my withholding and have more money. But I don't because I get it back later. Yes. Yeah. You can find Mark Gillig, who composed our opening and closing themes, at tetramermusic.com. T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Glad we got that Strassman and I was going to be mad at myself if we didn't do that. Uh, Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I'm trying to think off the top of my head what came out. I know that the Mario movie made another like $90 yeah, million Yeah, this movie's going to make so. so much money. But no, I did not go see that again. Uh, once uh, was more than enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I did go to the movie uh, twice. One for a really good experience and one for not a good experience. I went to go see this uh, movie, Renfield. With uh, Nicolas Cage and ah, oh, that's the that? is that the vampire yeah, movie? Yeah, the vampire thing. Nicholas Holt or whatever the guy's name is. This could just be me, personal preference perhaps. But I could do without this guy, this Nicholas Holt guy. He's been in a lot of movies. Like he was in the Menu, which was fine. I just see his face a lot, and he's in this movie. H O U L T is the last name. Oh, I yeah. I know that face. And Why do I know that face? He's been in a few movies. So he was in, uh, in The Great, uh, The Menu. Oh, he's uh, Mad Max Fury Road. He's the yes. lunatic yeah. in Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. Shiny and chrome. Yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, again, could just be me. But when I uh, the movie started, I like, got oh, this fucking guy. And they keep on showing him. Like, all the Nicolas Cage scenes oh, were fun. he was in About a Boy. Yeah, he was he's the, the About he's, a Boy kid. He's the boy in About a Boy, which is a great Aww. movie. Again? Just me, perhaps. Anyways, movie, forgettable, not very interesting. Uh, the movie didn't really make a lot of sense. The second movie that I went to go see was... Fucking bombed, too, right? What's that? Yeah, it bombed. Uh, yeah, which makes sense. Uh, the second movie I went to go see was a four-hour and 15-minute long extended cut of The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And boy, that was a fun movie. That was a lot of fun. I happened upon, I know I live in a state of Georgia that's uh, frowns upon this sort of thing. I happened upon some sort of gummy. And I was like, oh, this would be great. I'll uh, take this product for this uh, movie. I went to the theater. I went to Regal since uh, you have to pay because it's not part of the package. It's not part of the subscription. It's like a oh wow one of these like exclusive things. Um and so you just how does this going to factor into your cuz to me like you what you go to x number of movies a year yeah. and then you divide that by the the cost well, of I don't your subscription do that, but yes Oh, you sort of do, though. Tell me you didn't think no. about it, like, at some point. It's a no, you I never think about the it? thing. I mean, you could probably do the math, but yeah, if you see like, you know, 
four movies a month, that's like five, six dollars or whatever you're paying uh, per movie. And anything more will bring that number down to like three dollars a movie or something like that. Right. A, a great. It's a fantastic uh, value, certainly. Right. But if you then are also going to go spend $22 or something to go see Lord of the Rings at the Regal out in Cobb or wherever the hell it was you had to drive for. Well, it, it, the closest – it's not important, but the closest AMC one is in some random place. I just went to the closest Regal that was showing it. Uh, anyways, yeah. On any given year, there'll be like three or four such occasions. You know, I went to go see Avatar 2 a second time and I paid. Uh, right. I paid for this. Uh, any movie that I want to go see, I'll just pay it, uh, which is fine. But anyways, because it was four hours, I knew this to be true, but I guess other people who were in the theater did not know this, but they're not going to play trailers, right? So that 15, 20-minute buffer right. that you can it starts when it get starts. concessions and all this other stuff, don't do that for movies that are like four hours long because the movie will just start which you want it to be the case. I mean, this movie started at 7 and ended like at 11.30 or 11... Oh, that's spectacular. Good job by them. Yeah. A 7 o'clock showing for that sort of movie. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. That's just a nice evening at the theater. Yeah, it was great. And Did they serve you food in the theater? Did you have to eat? I got like a soda. Usually that's my go thing. I just get a soda and I just sit there. And I was thinking four yeah, hours, okay. you know, in my advanced age, okay. maybe uh, I'll need to... Use the bathroom a lot, but nope, just sat there four hours, no issues. Nice. <laughs> it's a great, a great day. We saw, Abe, when we saw when the you Mario could go movie. And have a sit for four and a it half like hours. It was a big thirty-two ounce cup I, that I drank, and I, I, yeah. I got a soda when we saw Mario, and I had to pee like fifteen minutes in. I never drink soda. Yeah, I think I chugged it down. It was so delicious. I, I could be wrong, but there were like you know, this is a. Crowded theaters, packed, people were dressed in whatever. Uh, and in my uh, gummy stupor, I was concerned about some of these people because they looked like they were... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Do they look like hobbits? Were they dressed like hobbits? The Hobbit and that, that the like Gandalf wizards? guy. There was a lot of those. Uh, yeah, wizards. But I think, yeah. you know, this is a 200, 300 seat capacity That's place. a lot of edible you had to feel uncomfortable <laughs> or also Lord of the Rings people. Those are some nerds. You're safe there. there yes, but it's like kind of dark and somebody just kind of just idling by my aisle. Like they're just looking around. There's some... There's some definitely some spooky points in that movie too. You don't want Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh I think I was probably the only one of the I don't know, 2 300 people that were there who had not seen it before because everybody was just like just applauding in part where they kind of knew what was going to about to happen. Like they were kind of very much into it. It was a very fun uh, right. movie experience. And then there would also like a scene would come on and immediately 30 people just start running to the bathrooms. It's like they kind of all decided beforehand, like, oh, when they start to this scene, we got a couple right. of minutes to there's kill. There's no plot in the fight scenes, right? You want to be there for the fight scenes. There's, the there's stuff, plenty yeah. of opportunities. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a number of opportunities. I haven't gotten through that one all the way yet. As I said, I was re-watching this uh, extended edition trilogy. But there are big, long chunks of it where it's like, yeah, I can see where they could have taken out five minutes here right. and it would have been just, it would have been the same basic movie. And I'm sure there are, there are probably, I guarantee you, there are a lot of that movie. There are blogs online or, or different places online you can go there like, trust me, just go pee here. Yeah. You'll be There's fine. There's an app, I think, like run whatever pee or something. There's apps where it's like, oh, nothing is happening here. Have at it. Right. So, but no, a uh, lot of fun at the the movie uh, as opposed to Renfield, which was not good. Yeah, and great movie, right? Yes, a lot of fun. Uh, what did we watch? We watched a lot of baseball. 
We watched, watched a lot of kid we baseball. A, and then that, also, we watched a lot of Braves baseball. Also the Braves. We watched a lot of baseball. We had people. His dad was here. Oh, no. My dad was here. My His sister family. and brother-in-law were here. There were a lot of Man, people Man, talk here. about a great weekend to show up to, to watch the kids baseball. Yeah. We got both Calvin's team with that exciting win. Katie, Katie's team had her first game. We got a win there, too. Not quite as exciting, but a, a win it nonetheless. It was a good game, though. Oh, nice. Yeah, a good game. Five to two final. We watched a succession. Is that the only thing that we watched that it's was the new? Only thi- we watched the thing we watched Saturday was that uh, RoboCop thing. That's oh, all yeah. we did. We, Everything else was the, we went to bed early on Friday like losers. RoboCop thing? I got up at I got up at thing. six in the morning on fucking Saturday morning oh, wow. as a full day of baseball ahead of me. I was like, I got to get he my had exercise, to exercise in first. He's a loser. <laughs> Yeah. I went for a run in the middle of the day and almost died like a winner. Saturday night we watched the movies that made us thing, which I don't like as a rule on Netflix. Like I think it's a very annoyingly good. put together. Is that like a CNN thing basically. that's also on Netflix? No, it's Netflix. It's Netflix only. Okay. I don't know. It might be on CNN. For but all I think I know. it's Netflix produced. I don't think CNN made okay. it. It's too jokey. It's very jokey and stupid and like a talking head like, kind of thing, or like dumb. oh I. It is. Yeah. They, they go to Talking Heads, and they also. It's silly. It's just stupid. I can't describe it as but anything we were but tired. stupid. But I like RoboCop a lot, and so I wanted to watch the RoboCop thing. Uh, I. But that was it. I. I, ha- I have not seen this, but um, speaking of Netflix, like three or four people at the same time sent me text messages about this new show on Netflix called Beef. They're like, you have to watch mm. this show beef yeah, and I've, I've seen a bunch of chatter about it online but i haven't decided we haven't decided to watch it yet. yeah i'll be interested to see how good that is yeah uh but yeah then there was succession episode four of the final season the quick capsule summary of it is basically the roy siblings revert to the sort of archetype that we had of them in season one right, right? yeah <laughs> it's uh and there's a lot of scr- a lot of scrambling, you know, like you know the uh, old guard as they call them. They're all kind of just trying to position themselves to be the interim person. You know, the, the show. I, I do wonder how this uh, how they land this plan because now with uh, old man Logan out of the picture, like like he was kind of like a, the gravitational pull of a lot of the other people around, and now it's just like they're just all gonna be backstabbing each other the rest of the way like it's- yeah it's it's just a series where all of these characters who we've come to sort of want to maybe not have the worst thing in the world happen to them not that we've come to love them right. but like we're sort of rooting for them in some ways to maybe become better humans if not necessarily i, I am achieve all of the things that they want to achieve a lot of uh, uh, to un- maybe likable people though right like are there yeah yeah but like to get what they deserve uh, to a certain extent in a way that that's not a punishment to figure it out yeah to figure it out to have a modicum of self-awareness for Kendall to be able to not talk exclusively in business cringe ease, yeah. which is which is sort of his default mode yeah. of interacting with his colleagues, I think it's just going to be a miserable end for all of them. Ultimately, I and think like uh, the idea that there's going to be a winner or one of the three kids is going to come out self-actualized and on top of no. things is ridiculous. Uh, and who would want that? The uh, the oldest uh, Connor. It seems like he's just kind of like being reckless with money like he's making spit handshake decisions well sort of 
Except, like, it, it only fucking spends once, right? Like, you spend it, like, you, you can't take it with you. Like, Connor, to me, at least, it makes some sense. Like, hey, I love this fucking apartment. It means a lot to me. This is a killer place to own, and I've got a big pile of money coming my way as soon as this place, as soon as this company sells. So why not spend $63 million on a penthouse apartment? Like, yeah, right. fuck it. It's the same sort of mindset that the evil stepmother is like, yeah, I'll just get what's mine and get the fuck on out of here. Like, it's totally fine. Speaking of, uh, speaking of which, so I, you know, it's kind of hard to relate to any of these people, but especially the, uh, I, I do like uh, Marsha, or what, what is her name? Who's the. Yeah, yeah. Marsha. She, uh, ha- like, I, I don't understand how people can do this, but, like, when somebody's down and you kick them when they're down, like, how she, <laughs> she dismissed that carrier, what's her face? Oh, she's going to go back to her little apartment, like, she can get, get fucked, get out of here. Like, not even, not even 10 minutes ago <laughs> did I say Abe was a spiteful man whose favorite day was tax she day. She specifically and, told her not here, to come. Here he is reveling in, in this woman's no. ability to display no. pure... She specifically yeah. said, Human she spite. said, I told her not yeah. to do this. Yeah. When you specifically tell someone yeah. not to do a thing yeah. and they do it anyway, yeah. ooh, ooh, not a lot makes me more angry. I specifically said, don't do that one right. thing. and you do you're doing it, yeah. And she actually tried to, they actually Ugh. had to get like some muscle to like prevent her from like getting her away from going, like she was trying to bypass her yet again, but just that fuck off thing, like I don't have that gear. Like I was just like, all right, just <laughs> like, like uh, the, the middle child who was like, oh shit, like uh, <laughs> take your stuff and get the fuck out of here. Uh, but just that asshole vindictiveness is uh, nice to see on television. Uh, just, I wouldn't do it. Do you think that this show, I haven't done a rewatch of this show. It was painful enough the first time in many ways. But do you think that this show had a markedly different opinion of its characters in season one than it has now in season four? This is some of the chatter I've seen about the show, which is that it started out more as a pure satire, uh, sort of willing to reveal these people to be the vapid and worthless pieces of shit that they are. And as the actors and the writers sort of discovered the underlying humanity, uh, uh, still somewhat vapid as it as as the underlying humanity might be, right. that they are ultimately treating them sort of differently than they might have thought they would have at the start, and that we're not going to get the same ending, even in terms of the pure plot of it all, like a, a like a truly satirical end to this show might look like one thing happening uh, that we will not get anymore because the show is no longer a satire and instead more interested in the human drama of it than it is in in sort of making fun of these people. Do you think that 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 plausible? Do you think that that will depend on how the rest of the this season goes like which direction i mean you know so with like you know uh with connor like there seems to be like this recurring theme of just like him spending money and like maybe nothing will come of it you know like let's spend money on this doomed presidential campaign uh money on this house uh this apartment rather and then like like shiv like she seems to be having like the worst time of all like the marriage has fallen apart i mean it's pretty not really a marriage in the first place. Marriage but is falling apart, and you decided to implant an embryo. Yeah. No. So I think that that's a, that's mistaken. She got pregnant when she and Tom were at that other f- function, and she said, "Let's make a baby with Tom." This the apparently the timeline lines up What's with that? 
her being 20 weeks pregnant now, mm. and that tracks back to her deciding to spitefully get pregnant uh, because her mother pissed her off. Okay, uh, so they're trending in that direction, but it, it's so she's still. I mean, this marriage seems like it's done, and she, she has this child, or she's pregnant uh, at at the moment. Uh, she got she got kicked out of the. Let's do the three sibling CEO thing, like and uh, promise that uh, you'll uh, keep your word. Uh, like it seems like nothing has kind of gone in her way lately, uh, and she's just kind of just frazzled now. And who knows how that goes? But like it seems like she's gonna be in a position to where like, oh, they turned their backs on me, like the the, the, the two brothers she made the deal with, and she'll do something to kind of undercut right. them. It seems like it's going to be just a messy thing. It's one of the things that I don't believe about this show, which is that I think that in any given group of four people, you'd much more likely to have three Connors than you would be likely to have three wildly overambitious people who cannot simply be happy with what they right. have. Right. Like Connor, for all of his faults, happy with what he's got. Right. <laughs> Still uh, with with wild degrees of uh, of entitlement and uh, unaware of his various privileges to a comical extent, of course, but happy with what he's got. Uh, the idea that you would have three graspingly ambitious and and impossible to ever please people unless they get the thing that they imagine they want that definitely won't actually make them happy. Like, I don't really buy right. it. But like, do, I think do you, you think get, that... I think, you, I think you get one of those right. in a family, maybe two, certainly not three. So, like, Shiv was, like, in the political arena, right? And she came into the fold earlier in the, in the show. Um, is it that they're all... I mean, they are all kind of, like, ambitious, but, like, is it... Does it come down to just, like, sibling, like, I wanted because you also are, like... Like, why are we just letting you, Kendall, be the guy? Like, I want in on this, too, because, you know, I want... That, right, that's, that's, the, that's, that's why it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, they don't read to me as terribly competitive siblings. That Like, that doesn't appear to be their relationship. That's not what they've built their... Like, they hate each other in certain ways, but they don't appear to be, like actually competitive right. in the way that a lot of sibling relationships are. So I, I maybe I'm just finding a hole in this show that most people wouldn't right. necessarily see, and that's fine. And and perhaps the, the motivations are also just like striving for their parents' affection, even though one of them is dead. And the mother seems to be even worse than the uh, old man Logan. Like Right, mom being entirely checked right. out from the kid's situation. And like again, like I guess they're trying to impress their dad but like like i it, with kendall it checks out i don't i don't think that you get that three times over yeah. in one family with without some sort of overriding competitive thing going on which doesn't appear to be to be the case right. but whatever uh it's certainly an enjoyable hour of television a dozen different one-liners and and throwaway lines <laughs> that there was uh one line uh is it willa connor's uh fiance or wife now uh, right. <laughs> that exchange she had with Marcia, like, oh, like she kind of like likened herself to Marcia, which she did not appreciate. She's like, we made right. it, or who would have thought we would be in this position? Like, I don't <laughs> think she appreciated that connection because I think she thinks of uh -huh. her as just like, oh, you're like a escort and, and you've done well for yourself, but I'm like a learned woman and blah, blah, blah. How dare you? 
I liked Greg being ref- brought into the room to be told that he was a penciled-in addendum with a question mark and no other information. Uh, and he gets extremely excited about that as it possibly being the number two guy. Like, yeah, all right, Greg. I think that uh, Tom Wombagans is like the best character yeah, in the show, he is. probably I- in terms of a in terms of a fully drawn and interesting character. He is just spectacular. And and I think probably the primary example of the thing that I was talking about before, which is this is a person who was created as a send-up of a particular sort of doofusy corporate ass-kisser who uh, just tries to schmooze his way to the top of any room, right. but who they have found the underlying humanity of and revealed in interesting ways a half a dozen times in the last two seasons. That's been uh, fun to watch. Right. Anyway, you got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for you tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. There's this show on TLC called, like, Pop My Pimple or Dr. Some... Pimple Popper, yeah. yeah. I don't even want to watch a commercial for whatever the show yeah. is. I can't believe there's an audience for this, but People apparently it's a popular show. First of all, if you are into it, you yeah. just go on YouTube or TikTok or right. whatever. That's how it started. Why in the world would you subject yourself to an hour of network television <laughs> with commercials and all of the bullshit that leads up to the thing that you came to dinner for, right? Right. <laughs> it's like yeah. You're there to see the disgusting, oversized pus-filled nodule be pierced and then to see whatever gross gack comes out of it, right? Is that the appeal, by the way? Like, just the... Yeah, people watch it. I don't know. This, like, we're gonna do 42 minutes of (laughs) backstory and, like, hear the sob story of these assholes like it's the Olympics. Only only to then get to the end, and then you finally get the what is meant to be the satisfying part of the show, which is when they squeeze the disgusting pus and gack out of you. More importantly than not wanting to be into it, I don't want to find out that I'm into it, right? Right. Like I, <laughs> oh, I see. I studiously avoid even the possibility of finding out that that's one of my interests. Right. Because you don't control that sort of thing, unfortunately. That's true. You would have by now come across this uh, weird liking, right? Like, and that, that's the weird thing. It's like, how many people are they expecting to convert? over to this weird i mean i'm judging here but like this weird fucking uh, uh my expectation show. is that it's sort of like gambling where yeah you snare a hundred people and uh 99 of them are entirely casual and you never right. see them again right but the one <laughs> yes doesn't do anything else with the rest of their life their dvr <laughs> is just dr pimple popper and that's all they watch all but, of the time by the way i don't think this show is a uh, part of this uh big company that's coming over to uh, HBO Max, but if they're trying to preserve the integrity of HBO by removing it because of shows like this, a great decision because uh, you would want to tarnish the great name of HBO with pimple popping. Not not, that I should be judging, but... No, you're you're permitted. This is a safe space (laughs) for judging, Abe. I try to limit my judgments to just a few people. Nothing (laughs) else. Stop recording this uh, (laughs) 
This, How dare you? <laughs> this, I need content, you bum. I this, haven't had anything this, to fill the last two minutes with. Can't go on. Uh, so, remember last week? The proceeding was created with 100% human content.